Thank you for joining today's Hospital ISM Report on Business Teleconference. I am Rosemary Goupil, and we will begin shortly. I'm joined by Christina Cahill. Christina, are you, um, can you hear me okay? Hi, Rosemary. Everything sounds really good. Super. Thank you. And Nancy, have you joined us this morning? Yes, I'm here. Yay. Back from Hawaii, right? Yep. <laughs> that was those were a crazy couple of months. All right. Well, a few announcements before we get started this morning. Today's overview is presented by Nancy Lamaster, chair of the Hospital ISM Business Survey Committee. And as a reminder, our call today is be re- being recorded, and this is a live teleconference. So that we do ask that everyone please mute your line, um, so that we don't have any background noise going on that could disrupt the call. The next hospital PMI release of the May report will be released on Wednesday, June 7th at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. I would like to thank everyone for joining the Institute for Supply Management today for the release of the hospital ISM report on business. Are there any reporters on the line today that know they will have a question for Nancy today? Hi, Rosemary. This is Dan Iger. I'll have a question. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Dan. Okay, um, now if there are any other reporters that will have a question for Nancy today, she will open up the line at the end of the call uh, once she completes her overview. So it does look like that we have everyone who's uh, joined us today that said they were going to join us. Um, I'm going to now turn the call over to Nancy Lamaster, Chair of the Hospital ISM Business Survey Committee. Please, Nancy, go ahead and uh, with your overview for this month. Oh, thank you so much, Rosemary. So April was a busy month for the hospitals. The PMI came in at 55.3. That was up 1.9 from March. Um, The factors uh, compiling that index um, all saw growth. Um, We saw business activity at 58.5, up 6.5%. New orders took a big jump to 63. That was up 9%. And our backlog of orders was at 57, up 3%. So we really had pretty strong demand um, in the month. And, and that was very consistent um, with the, um, the numbers reported by the um, orthopedic and the cardiology uh, manufacturers. They reported their first quarter numbers. Um, and basically, most companies said they saw a little bit stronger growth um, in demand in the first quarter than they had uh, anticipated, um, and they're projecting strong demand going throughout the year. So that would bode well for hospitals. That surgical elective volume um, is very important to them, very important to their margins, and so that that was really a good sign. What we did see a change in the negative direction was was employment. The employment number still growing, but took a a big jump down to nine and a half. of recruiting 
uh, providing more flexibility, particularly for clinical staff to schedule shifts on, on various apps um, and that type of thing. So what we, you know, a little unsure of this month is whether the drop in the employment number is more related to difficulty in finding and hiring people or is really more related to the hospitals uh, putting the brakes on hiring somewhat, being a little bit more uh, cautious. When they do this, we're, we're talking um, primarily about non-clinical staff. Your clinical staff is still going to be uh, pegged to demand. So they're still going to be looking to make sure that they can meet that demand for those elective surgeries. They're going to be really scrutinizing their non-clinical staff as they seek to try and, and shore up their margins on that. So, so good volume, uh, employment to be kept an eye on. Um, so let's talk about what's going on in the supply chain. So supplier deliveries came in at 49, faster, uh, a little bit slower than the previous month. They dropped, went from 47.5 in March to 49, but still it's the first time since we began collecting data um, five years ago that we've had three months in a row where supplier deliveries were faster. Um, and so that, you know, that bodes a good, uh, well, for um, being able to get supplies. Now, what we did still hear in the comments were um, some challenges with shortages, back orders, and recalls. Recalls were mentioned again this month. Um, I know that there were some recalls in uh, masks and, and some other areas of the industry again, and that always um, causes some ripple effects. But if you look at inventories, the inventory number was 47, so still contracting, contracting now for four months, but, but not as fast as it was in March when it was 38, which was kind of an all-time low. So 47 is contracting. If you look at inventory sentiment at 56, it's still too high, but it's slowed a little bit. It was 61.5 previously. The comments indicate um, a concentrated effort to reduce inventories. So um, it's, it looks like that we may be making progress in that area. They're still too high, but they're contracting a little bit slower, keeping an eye out, and obviously trying to buffer against um, some of those, those shortages. The other metric that kind of ties into that is kind of a hospital-specific metric we follow called touchless orders. Those are those orders that can go through without any human intervention. That's a sign of a, a good, strong supply chain without too many substitutions or allocations. That number uh, moved from contracting this month, or last month, excuse me, contracting in March, to growing. And it was a big jump, 6.5%. We went from 49 to 55.5%. And so there, you know, that would make some sense in that the supplier deliveries are now faster. We've had those, you know, speeding up for three months now. And they're starting to, uh, that improvement is now kind of trickling down and we're seeing an improvement in the touchless orders. Um, we would hope and expect to see that continue unless we, we get a shortage that, you know, we're not seeing in the, um, in the comments. So little unevenness in product supply, but, but definitely better, much better than we have been seeing. In terms of pricing, no, no relief there. Uh, pricing is still increasing, uh, came in at 67, slightly slower than 68 the previous month. Pharmaceutical pricing came in at 61.5 versus 65, so a slight improvement, but 
uh, pricing on supplies was worse at 65.5 versus 62.5. So that pricing improvement that we're seeing in the manufacturing index, um, where prices are going down, is not making its way into the finished good price yet. Um, and that's what we keep hoping for as the hospitals are still dealing with um, pressure from both labor costs and from supply costs um, going on there. When we look at um, some of the other hospital-specific metrics, case mix came in at contracting, down 48. It's a lagging indicator. Um, I was kind of surprised to see it go down, but we'll keep an eye on it. Sometimes that means that just means that um, you have, uh, you know, maybe gotten a little behind in your coding. So we'll keep an eye on that one. With the surgical mix being higher, I would expect to see that go back up. Um, to see it in the growing range, more in the low 50s. Days payable outstanding, still contracting, two months in a row, 48%. We did have a comment about an effort, you know, some efforts underway to try and, and clean that up and improvement. And actually, as your touchless orders improve, that tends to have a positive impact on your days payable outstanding because you're making the electronic three-way match to pay that invoice. So the more touchless orders you have, the fewer manual interventions you have, not only on the, in the process to place the order, but you tend to have fewer manual interventions to be able to pay the bill. So we would hope to see those continue to improve. Technology's been bounced back up. You know, we talked a lot about that were we seeing margin pressures that were going to cause hospitals to, to pull back? We went to contracting last month at 44, and it bounced right back up to 54 this month. So, you know, we're still seeing, in general, hospitals continue to invest in their technology um, as a means to build volume, bring in patients. Um, we've talked about investing in it as a way to offset some of the labor costs, trying to automate some functions. Um, and it bounced back up. So it'll be really interesting to see in May if that holds, um, if that metric stabilizes, or if we're going to see a lot of it going up and down between growth and contracting. So overall, you know, it was a very good month. We had strong volume. Um, we had improvements in general in the supply chain. Um, you know, big pain point is high cost, the supplies, um, and a lot of pricing pressure still there. Hospitals trying to deal with that in different ways, but overall, um, you know, it was it was good, and you know, we'll see if that continues. If the manufacturers uh, who supply the implants for a lot of the electives, orthopedic and cardiology, or cardiac surgeries, excuse me, are at, are true to form, they would say we're going to continue to see some good volume um, going into the spring and summer months. So. That's kind of a quick overview of the month. Dan, I'll turn to you for uh, questions. Hi, Nancy. Good morning. Um, it's kind of a two-part question. Um, could you elucidate um, a little bit more on the inventories dynamic? Because that was kind of a big part of the services report the other day, I believe, if memory serves. Uh, Tony mentioned that specifically in his call about um, hospitals reducing PPE and other inventories. And um, I was wondering if you, if, if any way to quantify how much that of that is related to this is the second part of my question um i know i asked you this last month but i was wondering if there was anything to update uh 
now that it's going to be happening in a few days with just the declaration of the end of the declaration of the pandemic emergency and how, um, you know, uh, hospitals are preparing for that. Okay. There was anything to so, um, in terms of, uh, you know, yes, I think that hospitals are, are getting more and more confident that we're not going to see spikes uh, like we did at one point with the COVID that between the vaccines and the antiviral drugs and the, the we're managing it, I guess is the best way to say. Much like flu, you'll have some fluctuations, but it, it's not going to cause, you know, the intense demand on hospital services on um and so we can start to take down that ppe inventory and right size it more to what would be um kind of a a, a normal medical surgical mix so they're going to right size it based on less intensive medical patients icu respiratory patients and more surgical patients so you still need ppe obviously but balancing that um, or surgical volume doesn't it requires a different type of supply and it's not the kind of supply that you stock as much of in advance it's more a just-in-time supply where they're bringing in the implants or you keep a smaller number of that because it's a very expensive inventory so that changes the dynamic of the kind of inventory you have um, I think we're seeing that so with the um, emergency declaration ends, a couple of things happen. One is that um, products that were approved with an emergency use authorization, an EAU they were called, those products can no longer be sold under that EAU authorization. So the manufacturer either has to discontinue making that product or get proper FDA approval. Now, things that they did ahead of this, which I think was very good, the FDA um, put out guidelines, they got input from the industry about how to make this transition. And so one of the things um, that the guidelines include is that any of the PPE, any products that the hospitals bought that were being sold under the EAU uh, you know, designation, those can be used by the hospitals until they're used up. So there's no issue where hospitals are going to have to go and find those products and return them to the suppliers. That's, that's a very good thing. Um, probably the biggest challenge is going to be in the um, in ventilators. So ventilators that were manufactured under an EAU can continue to be used. They can't continue to be manufactured. And the manufacturer has to change the labeling on that. And unfortunately for hospitals, the FDA kind of sided with the manufacturers to make it easy for them, not easy for the hospital. The hospitals have to go out and request new labeling. So that's going to be a little bit of a challenge um, for those biomed groups to, first of all, learn that this is required and then to do it but it's it's more a technical thing it's not really a, a, a safety thing per se it's just paperwork that needs but it needs to be done um what i have heard anecdotally dan is that a lot of the manufacturers particularly the ventilators 
um, once the crisis point of COVID kind of peaked and we weren't having the demand that we were having for ventilators, they kind of quietly just stopped making those. So I, I don't know that it's going to really cause any kind of a, a disruption in the supply chain to have those emergency use authorized products not being manufactured anymore. I think the manufacturers that we're going to continue have had plenty of time to get their paperwork into the FDA, and those that haven't have kind of a wind-down strategy. Um, and I'm not hearing, again, anecdotally, um, anything about concern from the hospitals about supply. Now, the ARM um, Association of Healthcare Resources and Materials Managers, they have a group that where they really manage um, and report on shortages and back orders, and they, they meet on a regular basis, and I'm kind of tapped into that. So I will be watching to see if anything comes out of that group. But that's going to be the primary impact on supply. Now, there are other impacts that will be hitting the hospitals that have to do with how telehealth is reimbursed, certain things that in terms of reporting to Medicare and Medicaid rules that were relaxed, that will now have to go back. I'm not even sure all of it, but there will be ripple effects in other areas related to both reimbursement and to reporting requirements that um, will have to be adjusted to. But none of it's a surprise. Everybody knew this was coming and everybody um, has had some time to prepare for it. So I, I think it will go fairly smoothly. There's always the, what we don't know, that will come up and surprise us, but but overall, I think it'll be a pretty smooth transition. Was ventilators the primary uh, thing that was man manufactured under that EAU? That that you know, is, is there was there any other product or PPE that um, came under that? Oh, you know, there were face shields. Um, you know, of course, there were masks. I mean, there were there were what I consider the disposable PPE, the masks, the gloves not gloves, uh, masks and, and gowns and some things like that. Um, and that's why I said, you know, I kind of separated disposable PPE from equipment because the disposable can be used until we run out. And most hospitals have started, you know, as primary manufacturers got back on their feet and could supply, hospitals were moving back to them. And then you've got to remember, we've got some consortiums of, hospitals and GPOs that, you know, we have increased onshore manufacturing of some of that PPE, but that's FDA approved. That was never, they, they moved that from emergency use authorization to FDA approved. So that, that supply channel won't be disrupted or impacted by this. Great. Thank you. Anyone else on the line with a question? Okay, Rosemarie, I think we had a pretty straightforward month, and I'll turn it back over to you. All right. Well, thank you so much, Nancy, and thanks to everyone for joining us this morning. We look forward to talking to you all again next month, and have a great weekend. Thank you. Thank you.